morning, good afternoon, good evening, good midday. Whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're good. My name's Davey Craddock. I program the music at the Fremantle Arts Centre and you're listening to Fact Chats, our podcast born of COVID-19 where we try and connect you with the artists we work with. And in a lovely full circle moment of synchronicity, that song you just heard is by Odette Mercy and her Soul Atomics. And today we are interviewing Odette or Offa Fotu which is actually her real name. Offa wrote our theme tune, Ain't Nothing, with John Fernandez, the band leader of Odette Merce and her Soul Atomics. We are also joined this week by Timothy Nelson. And the reason we're having these three brilliant West Australian musicians in is because they are taking part in gallery sessions, our tiptoe back into live music. We're having very small, 100-odd capacity concerts in two of the rooms in the Art Centre, the main gallery and the Pavlet Room. Timothy, John and Offa are absolute fixtures of West Australian music. Odette Mercy and her Soul Atomics have won many Wham Awards, as has Tim. They've been doing it for about a decade now. Tim also has a solo project called Indoor Fins, in addition to his Timothy Nelson work. He is a member of the Kill Devil Hills and a touring member of Drafts Band. And Offa, when she's not performing with Odette Mercy and her Soul Atomics, is part of the global... Sensation, really, Hot Brown Honey, a show born of kind of fringes and cabarets that has now gone to take on the world. It's a huge kind of touring juggernaut. And they were due to be on a world tour, which included Glastonbury just before COVID-19 hit. John is a real fixture of the WA funk and soul scene in particular. If you enjoyed uh, going to DeVille's Pad, his band with a house band there. He's also the leader of the Kalamunda Youth Swing Band and he's a hell of a nice guy and has a lot to say. You'll notice we deliberately didn't chat about COVID-19. I think we've all got the picture now. It's been devastated for, devastating for artists. And what I was really interested in talking about, as is kind of the theme or one of the key aims of this podcast is the stories behind the work. People see these artists on stage at the art centre and in WA venues, but what actually goes into it? So I'm interested in their background, their training, the songwriting process, the preparation, and even things down to that energy, like the 15 seconds before you go on stage, what are these guys trying to muster up? I wanted to get a bit of an insight into what makes them so great. Um, Another disclaimer, which is kind of touched on in the podcast, I formally, and I guess still am, uh, performed around WA and, and, and I have performed with these guys. So there's definitely a loose camaraderie and this one's a little bit more rollicking than usual as a result of me sharing many stages with Tim, John and Offa. I hope you enjoy our catch-up. Tim, you, I understand like a big part of your music uh, upbringing has a lot to do with your dad, right? Uh, both my parents. Both. Can you tell me a bit about your parents and particularly your dad's Whopper stuff and the fact that you you grew up in a, a Petri dish of music in a, in a good way? Yes. Um, my dad played piano at hotels and in bands and taught jazz music and did stuff with orchestras and my mum sang and was in theatre things and and uh, did jingles and there was just always musicians around the house um well yeah and and growing up yeah dad was teaching at whopper it was called the con then that's how i met john actually Mm. um john was a student there at the time and um 
Yeah. So I, I, I always just took music and being able to contribute to it as kind of for granted. So I rebelled against it initially and thought I was going really? to be, I thought I was going to be a filmmaker or something. <laughs> because there was so much music in the house. So it wasn't that exotic and rebellious to be a musician. Yeah, yeah. I think I just wanted to find my own thing. And I got it from my mum more than anything because she would film everything and she was really like good with uh, video recorders and editing stuff and she'd mm. put together home movies and, and, and got me really obsessed with films. Actually, my dad did have to sit me down when I was six or something and tell me the films weren't real because <laughs> I was asking him questions like, do they all know to start talking when I turn the TV on? Or, you know, I, just, I didn't understand the concept of pre-recording mm. things. Right. Um, yeah, that's a moot point um, <laughs> for a podcast. You, you... Uh, like, so, yeah, so uh, uh, I think I started wanting to be a musician quite late, like in my teens or late teens. But you yeah. achieved like a level of success very early. I remember seeing you win a Wham! Song of the Year. You must have been about 12. Like that's, well, yeah. I think the, it was the 12-year-old category. Yeah, right? the 12-year-old category. <laughs> yeah. Where you didn't kind of waste your time in getting good. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I did get to genetically cheat at, to, <laughs> to some, to some degree. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, like I said, I don't like playing piano was a chore. I had to, I had to play piano as much as I had to clean my room. I still right. can't clean my room, but you know, it was like, it was on the star chart, you know, the star mm. chart actually was a squiggle chart, meaning it was my dad's signature because he figured that I could draw stars as well. <laughs> Right. But then I just learned how to forge a signature. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of those. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I got into it pretty early. But the, the other thing was I started a band. I didn't really know what to do, but I figured I had to pretend that I knew what I was doing because I had a friend of mine that was in the band with me. <laughs> so it was basically, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get a gig. And then I had to go figure out how to get a gig. And then, yeah. you know, I had the phone book out when I was 16 calling like Mojo's, just cold cold calling venues. Wow. That's how I met Andrew Ryan and, and guys like that. Just lying through my teeth, you know. The first conversation I had with Andrew Ryan, he was like, how many people did you bring to your last show? And I was like, oh, definitely 300. <laughs> yeah. awesome. But I didn't tell him that my last show was at school assembly where 300 kids yeah. had to be there regardless. <laughs> and, and little did you know that the capacity of Mojo's is probably under 300. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've seen it at 330. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, it was a bit of... Fake it till you make it as well, you know, because just through doing, figuring out how to, how to do it. So go and get gigs. Write songs because we need songs. Make them sound like bands I like yeah. until I figure out how to make stuff that sounds like me. Uh, it was just that, yeah, I do before I think. It usually gets me into trouble, mm-hmm. but it has That's led me to very nice, yeah. nice yeah. things such as sitting in a room with you, respectful people. <laughs> and, and, John, <laughs> we're talking about kind of craft. You, in my <laughs> eyes, are a... A rare thing in at least pop music circles, in that you're also kind of a band leader, oh, which right. is yeah. bloody a good thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that can write songs, but you're someone that can arrange and draw people together and make those important decisions. Can Can you tell me about where that impulse comes from, and and, and also your background? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I guess you're talking about the musical direction thing here, yes. and and we use that formal. Um, that formal title in our band, um, but I think it exists in every band. I think there's always a director, and and I remember playing back in the days with Flux Capacitor, which is like um, many years ago now. And we had on one of our drummers, Ryan, like 
everything tended to go through his ears and he would make the calls on things, even though we would be writing the songs and everyone would be writing, I'd be writing lyrics and I'd be writing chord changes and stuff and we'd be writing together. But kind of he would make the decisions. And I, I thought that, that was good in a way and everyone trusted him. There was this level of trust that came with that. It's like, okay, the music's going to go th- filter through his ears and the best stuff, the stuff that makes us who we are is going to come out the other side. Yeah. And so everyone's contributing but there's always someone that kind of makes those calls and um i think i feel like we just sort of formalized that yeah um but and from that day i realized that was a position that i i I could see it and kind of went oh yeah i could i could probably do that but um so going going back again to that thing Mm. i was talking about when when someone out there in the front garden watches odette mercenaire's soul atomics they see the guy on the bass guitar but they don't necessarily realize that you know You've written songs with Offer. Mm. You've made decisions. It's like a huge part of the process. Mm. Did, did you, and so you went to WAPA as well? Or? I, I, yeah, I did, went to WAPA many years ago. Um, and, yeah, which is, as Tim says, was where I met his his dad. Um, yeah. And he kind of downplays his dad a little bit, i got to say. like yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike Nelson is one of the greatest musicians in this country like, yeah. he, and probably in the world. Like, he's, he's seriously, seriously good. Um, but, like... Um, the Whopper thing didn't teach you how to lead bands. It didn't teach you. It doesn't teach you that stuff. To be honest, I learned a lot from from my lecturers, but what I learned mainly was like watching how they interacted and and that kind. Of, I had some great mentors at Whopper, um, but you know, you couldn't say I, I couldn't say that the way that I've graduated, the way that I I came out of that place is the same as everyone else. I think it, mm-hmm. everyone takes what they want from it. And so I don't use that to define me because it yeah. doesn't make any sense. I'm not like a class. I'm not like your standard whopper graduate. Like I can't yeah. do what half those guys can do. Yeah. Like they get them in the band. I'm like, oh man, I should practice more. Jeez, <laughs> look at this guy. He's shredding it. You know. Right. So um, yeah, the the band leader thing just came. I think the came naturally. Like in terms of of the leadership thing's always been something that I've I've gravitated towards and been expected to do. And um, yeah, I only actually had that identified in myself when I was in my late 20s and that yeah. was um, by a guy who was leading the band and he sort of said this to me and and it just completely changed everything. I was like, right, this is what I do. I bring people together and yeah. and keep them together and kind of, you know, so the band leading thing was like a natural. But you do that um, formally as well in the Kalamunda Youth That's right. Swing Orchestra, right? <clears throat> and that came, yeah. that came after. Right. After that moment of realization because I've always sort of shied away from it because yeah. you know you don't want to be in control and in charge it's like oh it's just it's a bit weird this is a creative thing you know but then it, I realized it's so useful though people and people love it like it's what are we doing yeah, oh, yeah no one wants a democracy <laughs> well, that's a terrible idea yeah. in music. Yeah. man you I remember arguments in bands like prior to that that would just would just go on for days you know oh, I think it should be like this and the chorus should yeah, you know, so, but um, yeah. Anyway, and offer. What about you? Where, where did offer start? Uh, well, I, I guess, like, I guess I gravitate towards what Timothy's saying about uh, faking it till you make it. Like yeah. early on, actually, my practice was in visual arts. So Whoa. yeah, I didn't so know that. I went to uni studying visual arts and uh, had a practice in uh, performance art with a local. Uh, collective called PVI Collective um, and worked with them for a number of years and uh, yeah most people were like hey um, 
can you like sing? <laughs> um, um, and in some ways it was, um, I don't know, I, my mum's a choir, like kind of choir conductor, mistress, and my dad's a minister and so... Uh, music. So your dad's a minister. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And so music is always, and culturally, um, my background is Tongan. And so every uh, every celebration, every party gathering, there's always singing yeah. uh, to start and formalize the space and yeah. kind of acknowledge that we're together. And yeah, kind of traditional four part harmonies were yeah. always in my um, in my upbringing and. Yeah, I think there's lots of pictures of me trying to sing with the adult choir as yep. a like two, three year old. Um, but yeah, so music has always existed in the house yeah. in a very different in very different contexts. Yeah, and I kind of went the way of uh, pursuing a visual arts career and found that I was kind of. I landed in these different spaces where people would ask me to either sing or to kind of be a MC or gather people together. Yeah. And that's kind of what I used to do at my dad's church, which was welcome people and, mm-hmm. you know, if you felt a bit weird about going into these weird spaces you've never been, I'd be the person to kind of sit with you and yeah. kind of introduce you to other people. And you more, um, I think a key thing, to ask you about mm. given the situation we're in now is in recent years, perhaps, I don't know, the last yeah. five years, you have very much a global touring career with yeah. Hot Brown Honey, right? Yeah. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it's the way we came together is very much how we all have very similar stories yeah. in that we uh, performed culturally, so we learnt cultural dance. Yeah. Uh, we were outspoken and a little bit... Um, uh, a little bit of boat rockers in in our various different ways. Yeah. Um, we found each other as people do that have common interests and yeah. as women of colour in these kind of different areas. Like we're all from different places around Australia. Uh, but when we came together, like we would meet each other now and then when we'd be over east or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we'd gravitate towards people and, yeah, that's kind of how we all kind of kind of came together. But both Busty Beats and Lisa uh, Fa'alafi, they are the – they're like the the directors of yeah. the um, – yeah, they're the creative director and the um, musical director. So, so mm-hmm. in that sense it's like you're bringing all these people together and they are like what can you guys – talk about and we can talk about our experiences of racism in a very kind of humorous way to each other because you know if you don't laugh about it you, you end up yeah. really crying and kind of wallowing a lot in um the frustration and so then yeah we started making these kind of like vignettes and cabaret um spots and sketches and then it kind of we they weaved it into this massive show and then about six years ago, uh, it was initially like a, an, a nightclub night where we would go and perform and um, and then it just kind of got bigger and bigger from it's Adelaide like Fringe to, yeah, hey. yeah. So it started, uh, we had literally had a trestle table um, yeah. as, um, as a kind of like prop <laughs> on stage and yeah. there was only ever like maybe 60 to 70 people uh, in our first kind of 
I think John came and saw that in Adelaide. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, from there it's just been all over the world in theatres and... The timing's it, cruel. Like if ever the world needed the Hot Brown Honey yeah. show, oh, you know, yeah. right now. I yeah. mean, the world needed it before right yeah, now. Yeah, but, you know. yeah. But so, it's just mm. it's that kind of fusing of all the things, all the tricks and things that you learn. Like uh, I was trying to explain to somebody that I worked in a lamington, like a factory, like a... Um, it's just in Hilton. Yeah. And I would stand there covering lamingtons with coconut, thinking about different jokes that I would tell to everybody on the line, which would be cousins and stuff, because we, yeah. we kind of just said to ourselves, we do this as a summer job. When it hits 3 o'clock, we, we're off to the beach, jump off the yeah. jetty drop bombs um, <laughs> but then but like we would do this thing where you have to keep yourself kind of engaged in this monotonous task but that's kind of where I would think of all these different stories and narratives and right. um, they would be the things that you know you know let years later I'd meet John and he's like I reckon we should we should start a band because you got you write songs yeah. together, right? Yeah. And that's important to point out. You're not yeah, just like yeah. a front person. You're yeah, like yeah. Co- co-writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. And he's like, we should start a band. And I think it was like actually after Sharon Jones did her first show, it was like, but he'd always wanted to do this soul band. Like, But then mm-hmm. we met properly and hung out and he was just like, we're going to start a band and we'll write the songs. And then I was like thinking back to all the times that I'd been doing monotonous jobs or things where I had to keep my mind occupied where I'd had, okay, this is a good story. This is a good, uh, this is something to write about. And yeah, I think uh, we also lied about getting our first gig. Oh yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. We told them we had a band. Yeah. yeah. So we and told, songs. yeah, we told a venue that we had a band yeah. that we had so songs. Point number one is definitely yeah. fake it till you make it. Always. We yeah. have three imposters <laughs> on the podcast today. Overplay your hand, man. Yeah. Yeah. Raise. Yeah. Raise before the that, flop. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's very polite of you to say, but all three of you, and let's move on to songs now, something yeah. that really does define both of your shows and is amazing songs. Can we? I'll go back to you now, Tim. Um, let's talk about melody and songwriting. Both of your acts are so hooky. When you sit down to write a song, where, where do you start? Are, are, are you a kind of uh, humming into the phone guy? Are you a lyrics guy? Where, where does all that process start? Uh, yeah, it's always different, yep. which is a cough out of an answer, I guess. Um, That's right. I'll keep, I'll keep pushing I start you. with <laughs> I start with drums a lot, actually. Right. Wow. Yeah, like I program drums and and sort of try and get a vibe going. And I th- I think because I well, so I would have I used to write mainly on piano and guitar. And then, you know, you make enough folky kind of songs. <laughs> yeah. The, the main way to spice things up is make something that can make people move. So I do – I start with whatever my current obsession is, something that I haven't really done before, I'll yeah. start with that. But, yeah, I hum into the phone. I fake phone calls in the middle of nightclubs while bands are playing mm. and Good. sing over their song, mm. you know, and, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's always different. It's, it's more like this, this parallel machine in my head. I'm just always – there's just little melodies going round and round in circles, and then it's usually about how soon can I get to a guitar or get to a computer. So it is, okay, so it, it is a very like impulsive physical thing. It's like, oh, it's coming, it's coming, I'm gonna like get it out, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like a very childish distraction in a way. It's usually yeah. when I'm when I'm trying to do something adult or domestic, you know, it gets, <laughs> it gets in the way. It's the, right. my arrested development is purely the fault of music. 
Right. I think, yeah. So when you say drums, Tim, so you, you come up with a drum thing, is the bass line in your head? Um, it's it, I, Maybe in my head there is a kind of melody. Yeah. Uh, a melody, okay. Um, like a top line melody. Yes, a melody. I, I, I hear a distant version of a complete song. Yeah. And yeah. it's about trying to analyse that and yeah. find out what I'm hearing. What, what you're yeah. hearing, yeah. yeah. It's like there's a song playing down the hall. Got yeah. it, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you right. yeah absolutely. Yeah. But I'll start with the drums yeah. just to get like a... It's amazing. Tempo yeah. and, and things like that. And um, I, I, again, I think because drums is probably for always, always was like my weak point. Yeah. And I always was jealous of people that could recognise, yeah. you know, you, you play a song and someone go, oh, man, that's snare. And I'd be like, what? Yeah. I don't even think about that. <laughs> so yeah. I've always just, you know, there's the wanting to try and like jealousy and wanting to compete with other musicians is mm. a big, big factor as well. So yeah. so now I, now I think a lot about drums. I was always jealous of people that just naturally <laughs> did. Um, but playing playing chords on a piano or just singing a melody, um, being around that sort of side of things so much as a kid comes far more naturally, yeah. So I guess, yeah. yeah. And but, from yeah. that, John, do you mind if I ask you? No, I, sorry. Uh, this is just, I really want to know <laughs> the answer. John, I need to finish my coffee, so please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, like from that original drum track, how much of that will you, like what percentage of that would you have edited by, by the time it comes to the final? Here, guys, this is the song. I, I tend to, you know what, it's been a, it's, uh, I'm only just starting to do this again now, but it's actually been a long time since I've presented songs to a band oh. and, mm. and done that. Okay. Now I kind of make demos that sound like records but have backed themselves into a corner where they're just that 10% short of being a record so I still have to go into a studio and, and make the full thing. Mm. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I kind of go full ham on my demos these days, you know, I've spent a lot of time and, and money on like oh, no, plugins. What things, I meant you know. was like from the final, from that initial kernel of the drum idea to the end. Sure. How much does the drum part change? Um, so this is a really technical question, no, 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 which no. probably won't make sense to anyone. No, that's fine. I, I have a reason for it. John, if it's boring, I'll edit it out. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, um, you're editing. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't change at all. You know, because mm. there'll be, you know, a variety of, you know, versions of the beat throughout the song and drum fills in the initial part. Um, but I think my, I guess, one, so I, maybe I have a natural disrespect for drumming and <laughs> also an obsession with dance music. And yeah. both of those lead towards pretty, like... Simple drum parts. Simple drum parts. So you use it as yeah. a hook to write against. I think, I think you use it as yeah. a backdrop to write... On top of yes, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. John, exactly. While we're yeah. going super inside baseball, Sorry, just, yeah. no, 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 we had to get to the bottom of what I thought I was, was trying to say. Well, you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> I've got a similar question for you. Like, with your kind of music, yeah. horns, like yeah. so, yeah. horns in soul music are so often a big part of the hook in the appeal. Yeah. Do you write us like? Do any of your songs start with a horn part? Or mm. every one of our songs starts with a hook, hook. but right. it's yeah. always a vocal okay. hook. Yeah. So like. Right. Um, well, generally speaking, like "Ain't Nothing" yeah. is a is a is a big example of a song that that's about the bass. Which line. I need yeah. to add is a theme song for this podcast. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> so yeah. that that song was yeah. written from the bass line up, which is bizarre, right? Yeah, because yeah. um, our our songs always are written from the hook. Yes, yeah, yeah. the hook line of the vocal down. Yeah. So that's 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 traditionally how every Odette Mercy song was written up until a year, uh, six a year ago. Yeah, and I had to. F- physically pull my head out of that because I realised my songs were sounding, all, all of it was sounding the same. Mm. It's like, okay. And um, and so and I, I, I had an, a guy from another band, actually a guitarist, and he brought it up. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can tell it's your music. And I was like, oh. 
And what, which what, what, never did, take. what did he mean by that? Oh, he probably meant, man, you can tell it's your music. It sounds, you know, whatever. But I took it because as we do, as I don't know. As yeah, he was saying you're repetitive. Speaking for all of us here, yeah. when someone ma- makes a comment, it's always negative. Yeah. No matter how positively they meant it, you know, you're like, oh, so my stuff all sounds the same. Which is what I took yeah. from that. Yeah. And so, so that, we, we shouldn't assume as well that people listening to this podcast will definitely are not necessarily musicians, but by a hook, can you describe what you mean by the hook? Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, so take a song like, uh, oh, it's a good example. Um, all right, so like, uh, come on, give me a song with a hook. One of yours? No, oh, yeah, we could do, no, no, a famous yeah. song. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, I can't think of any songs right now. Let it be. Oh, let's say um, everybody wants to rule the world, right? Yeah, great song. Everybody yes. wants to rule the world. Yeah, now, that to me, from that, I, you know, you could. Ex- sorry, is it interpolate an entire song? Interpolate. Yeah, from that um, going downwards, like you've got yes, the hook. Okay, so yeah. now you just have to make the stuff that leads up to it. Yeah. You know, um, so there's the hook. So now where's the verse going to go and where's the chorus and where's the middle? Mm. I mean, that song is beyond anything. Like I think that's one of the greatest songs that's ever, ever been written. And in like, a way the drums are the hook words. as well and the synth. You know, when that first comes mm. in like... <laughs> <laughs> it's the guitar, right? Yeah, that song is all hooks. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And amazingly, it's... yeah. So you're looking for that, and, and this is the intangible bit. Um, I think good songwriters can identify the hook. So if you're noodling on a piano or a guitar or a drum kit, um, the difference between maybe an okay song and a good songwriter is like, oh, that's good. Let's put a whole song around that and let's jack that up. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, say that again, David. Well, to... We're talking about like identifying hooks and, yeah. and writing songs around hooks. Yeah. Do you think uh, one of the skills of being a decent songwriter is while you're noodling, like lying on your bed with an acoustic guitar or whatever, you you can identify the hooks? It's almost like getting outside of yourself oh, absolutely. and listening yeah. to the song as if you hadn't written it, which is very absolutely. hard and yeah. abstract. And one of the great, one of the best things for me through that period, through sorry, to best ways that I learned to understand mm. that and identify it was doing the Johnny Nandis Hammond Explosion, which was the house band at Deville's yeah. for years, and we were playing instrumental versions covers. Surf pop covers of famous tunes from so history. So it's all hook. So no, so you'd have to play the song, and then you go right. Which bit? Because we're not singing the, the the vocal line, yeah. Right. So you you can't rely on the lyric; it's not there. So you got to go. Yeah. Okay, what song? You know, where, where? And sometimes we'd come in with a song that we loved, and we'd start playing it. And go, this isn't working. Why not? Oh, because the hook is yeah. in the vocal line, mm. and right. or it's not, or it's actually not a very good song. Yeah. You know, it's not actually that strong. Yeah. So, and I remember us doing Tainted Love. We did a version of like Soft Cell and we mixed it with the Gloria Jones version, which is the, the 60s, uh, 60s, late, mm. late 60s, yeah. yeah, version. And we sort of mixed, melded these two versions together. But it was just from the dun dun dun, people were like, that's Tainted Love. Right. And they would be on the dance floor singing along to yeah. the lyrics, mm. right? Yeah. And we're not singing. Mm. We're all doing it instrumentally. Yeah. But I think oh, why you guys are good at what you do, like to get back, it's about editing. Yeah. Like yeah. you can, you, Tim was saying before we recorded, you've written 50 songs. You won't release them all. At least I hope you won't. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's about picking the 10 good ones yeah, and, and, yeah. and whittling them down. There, and I, there's I part of you that skill. has to identify with mm. does this need to be heard at all. Mm. Yeah. You know, but being yeah. able to identify a hook is one of the many things that kind of keep you I guess grounded because 
I guess from the moment you start learning music, you, you're the first, one of the first things you, you learn is that a lot of your favourite songs actually the ingredients are quite simple. Yeah. And so your passion for the art itself leads you down more sophisticated roads and you start learning about extended chords and things mm. like that. Yeah. And the one thing that saves you from disappearing up your ass completely yeah. is yeah. that that appreciation for hooks and that because yeah. I think music is meant yeah. to be a communication between the artist and, and, and people yes you know so you can't just be screaming at a wall oh, no one understanding what you're, you know <laughs> yeah. so I think like yeah, yeah. knowing what what people are actually going to be moved by yeah, yeah yeah you know so you have to kind of like retain you've been staring under the hood so long yeah. you just got to drive the thing yeah. and like um yeah you got to be able to Appreciate music on a goosebumps level as well as an intellectual level. Yeah, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. If you're making, there's this music. theory. Uh, there's this guy called David Hepworth. He's a British journalist. He reckons there's headphone music. There's music that's to be enjoyed on your own, and there's community music like mm. the Rolling Stones. They're like there is music that is meant to be experienced in a group. And I think what you guys do is community music. Like so in your case, it's like serious party music. Like you can't stop <laughs> dancing. Yeah. So let's talk about the show, like the actual <laughs> live show. Yeah. Um, both of your, what you do, has a lot of energy. I want to talk about that 15 minutes before you're about to set, go on stage. I, I, uh, you may disagree, but I reckon the most exciting thing about live music is the moment the band walks on. This might be controversial. I, I, often I think, Well, they haven't let you down yet. Exactly. Yeah. It, gets, yeah. it, it, it gets no better than that. It's brilliant. Probably my favorite. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm not even joking. Yeah. The best, I reckon my favourite ever live music moment was when Oasis walked on at Rocket. Oh, they have amazing uh, walk-on music and it probably didn't get better than that moment didn't have it. to and they just stand there anyway exactly <laughs> well we could we could probably have a whole separate podcast about, about my, my obsession with that band i but, hated that gig so yeah much. did oh, you god yeah the whole day or oh, just most of that day I, I saw a cool soul band who was it it was like the bamboos yeah they're in. let's not get into that <laughs> <laughs> the walk-on is your that that moment is is like spine tingling stuff when a band walks on can I you can you talk about the lead up to that moment what are you guys thinking are you is it almost like an athletic sports person thing we're like, all right, here we go. Let's mm. like, can you talk me about those 15 seconds before a gig? 15 minutes before a gig? Yeah, uh, for me it's almost two hours. Well, I go. really can't, like, talk to people. Very, if you're trying to have a conversation yeah. with me, like, expect to it, expect it to be quite shallow and, like, yeah. very um, small talk orientated. Yeah. Um, because I just can't focus because I'm just focused on getting over my nerves, energising the band yeah. and getting ready mm. to get onto stage. Um, those 15 minutes before, it's um, also about remembering, reminding people to like have a good time. We get so stuck in our heads sometimes with don't make a mistake, you know, all the negatives. Yeah. You fill your head with all of that negative talk constantly. Like this is a part you need to watch out for, this, this, this. And you start kind of almost mapping out uh, a gig that could go wrong uh, yeah, before you even yeah, yeah. think about the positives. So, um I feel mm. like when b before so it's we very go on mental stage, for you. You're yeah. like um, mm. getting yourself in a state where you can be comfortable and relaxed. Yeah. yeah, and and to be excited because I feel like I think my first gig, I just spent the whole gig eyes closed and gripping onto a microphone yeah. stand. Can things derail you? Like if you uh, um, yeah. like you've lost a set list or with guitarists, like if you can't find a pick, can like tiny little things really like. <gasps> Um, in, in those, I'm talking about those like yes, few minutes before yes. you go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You can say what mine is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have a thing? I'm, I, I'm really interested in the thing. Yeah. 
Oh, you go. Oh, that yeah. there are like, I, I don't know. Like it's it's different yeah. from from my perspective. When I come on, I I'm trying to make sure I has the best show. You know that she's comfortable on stage. Yeah. So you know I'm looking at the musos constantly, going you know making sure we're all in line and doing our thing, and and that she's yeah. okay. But I've 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 there's been a couple of moments where people have you know yelled stuff out or just oh, yeah. done and just definitely rattled you. But yeah. not to say that that anyone would ever notice that. But I I, I can feel it. It's a feeling on stage. Like I can feel. Yeah, it's like stand up yeah. comedy and hecklers like. Yeah. Certain things can just derail a gig. Yeah, and and people can be really mean. Like actually, people that come to watch bands can be really mean. And yeah, they'll come up and just say things to you, and you're just like, wow. And I, sometimes I wish I could channel Tim Nelson and just destroy them in that one sentence. But like, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm like. You know, I, I just I don't know. Okay, dig that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's not. That was, that's that was maximum respect. Max no, no, no. respect. I, I often think to myself, God, Tim wouldn't. What would he say at this point? Like, because I'm I'm thinking about this, but somehow you just managed to quip, and you're like, bang. What do you say? Like, bang, and this dude's like, oh. I've seen you just shred people. It's, it's pretty awesome. Well, that used to, yeah, you know, I've actually gone through a, a long conscious transformation away from that guy. Oh, that's weirdly. You know, uh, I, Did it I think I talk a lot. If I'm doing a solo show, yeah. actually, I will talk a lot because mm. yeah. it's it, it, you got to do something, don't yeah. you? But when I'm with the band, I don't really talk between songs and I used to do a lot of talking and try yeah. and crack jokes and do a lot of stuff. And um, and I don't know, I think a combination of, I guess, growing up and also offending enough people, you just, yeah. <laughs> you, just, you, just you just turn a corner at some being, point. Being banned from enough venues. You know, I, I think like the, always being at the... At the, the throats of people in the audience is like that pub rock thing of um, like you talk about derailing a gig and what mm. to do in the moment, like mm. choosing, oh, let's do a faster song because they're not responding to this mm. or talk louder because they're talking during your banter bit. And uh, one thing I learned from guess, playing in the Kill Devil Hills where Brendan will just talk softly and tell a story no one wants to hear um, for five minutes and even if even if it's the rowdiest room you've ever played to, he'll just... It's like the calm in the storm, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's never any uh, the the other way to go about it. Of like, let's do our thing, regardless of yeah. whether whether or not the room is turning against mm. us. Yeah. That's what I've I learned mm. over the years a bit more, and just to and, yes. But yeah, that yeah. Another, Going in reverse sometimes helped. If the room is super rowdy and won't yeah. shut mm. up, just doing something really quiet to make yeah. them uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. the mm. best example yeah. of that I saw, mm. I saw was um, I went to see Rodriguez and Archie Roach supported, and it was this really kind of disrespectful uh, forty to fifty year old Western suburbs crowd yes. that were kind of they'd heard one Rodriguez song and seen the documentary, and yeah. then they were like just everyone was talking and yelling at Kings Park while Archie Roach was playing, and he was telling all these like beautiful stories about his family and mm. and uh, his uncle told him to write this this song as, uh, out of respect for where he came from, and he was telling these stories, but he never he never like tweaked what he was saying uh, to. He never customised the way he was talking to fit the fact that the crowd wasn't really with him. He just sort of stood his ground and just, t- like, spoke very softly and told these stories and it was kind of became like a standoff between a disrespectful crowd and him just doing his thing. And by the end of it, he'd won everyone over because people wow. didn't, knew he wasn't going to back down. He wasn't going to yeah. start throwing in faster songs or start cracking jokes and I just, like, had a tremendous amount of respect for that, mm. you know, because um, he didn't cut and run from what he came there to do. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. 
Um, another part of the show side of things, I, I'm asking stupid questions that because you guys are friends and that <laughs> would be uncomfortable asking <laughs> other people. Does it um, when you're getting dressed for a show? Do you toss and turn about what to wear? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you for answering. My that girlfriend's question. a stylist as well, so I can't escape. You know. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit yeah. about your pre-show? Like, what, what should I wear? It's horrible. I, yeah. I wouldn't ask anyone else this. Dang, bring multiple dang. shirts to a gig if I have to. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Okay, so you bring multiple shirts to sometimes. A gig. Yeah. yeah. It's good to have a different outfit for sound check because you don't want to sweat through yeah. your good shirt. Oh, that's very true. Absolutely. You, wanna, you don't want to be all creased up by the time you walk on stage. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah. Looking good's a big part of it. Mm. You know, especially like for guys that get into rock and roll, and like oh, yeah. it's, it's it's a big like the combination of fashion and the music. I think is a big big part of music. Yeah. You know? What about you guys? Uh, well. Um, yeah, yeah. I, like it's, I, I remember. It's an embarrassing question. It is really. It's not, it's not embarrassing. Oh, own it, John. Oh, I remember being yeah. eighteen, and like it was this. It was the same. Oh, God, this is so embarrassing. Go. Keep going. No, I would pull out these these shirts and be like, right, I've got to go and play, or seventeen maybe, and mm. you know, and and just. The same, and then I, I became aware that every gig, the same set of shirts would be on the bed yes. and they'd all be rejected and I'd wear that particular shirt. And I'm like, all oh, right, this is the only shirt I'm comfortable in playing. Yeah. Like why? Oh, God, I don't want to think about it. Like, and that's just the shirt. So I'd have to make sure it was clean by that, you know, yeah, yeah. by the gig. And, yeah. and and you forget you've worn it the night before and this yeah. is in the days of like smoking at pubs and, yeah. oh, God, I can't wear this. Like, but I have to wear this. Yeah. I'll just iron it. It'll be fine. And then you rock up the gig or you can smell this shirt and you're like, oh. You can smell last yeah. night's gig. Yeah, but but it looks, it's, it's the only one I could wear and, you well, know. You iron it. That's good. See that exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't, don't iron? No, I've just started <laughs> ironing. Oh. Yeah, well, as of the steam, last year. Get a steamer. Yeah. It's uh, that's awesome. the next step, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then you can use it. On I want to get to the point things. where I just drop off clothes at the dry cleaners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go, oh, yeah. oh, I've got you. Yes, at the dry um, cleaners. See, yeah. with your touring off, your proper showbiz, can you give us a feel for <laughs> your... Yeah, it's it's a little bit strange because, like, I think... Well, when we started, the boys were wearing suits. I was wearing yeah. dresses. And oh, it was so much easier. <laughs> it was easy because it was like, you know, the, the guys were like, oh, I just wear this suit. Yeah. For me, it was like... um. I'm not that comfortable. The, the way that the show was kind of progressing was that it's less and less about just like happy soul or softy soul or all yeah. these kinds of things. And I would just feel a bit weird in dresses on, yeah. in shows. Um, and then we were also like we were talking about embracing kind of, uh, you know, um, what the band's doing and we were just becoming more and more of actually who we are and not this kind of... Uh, faceless, faceless, yeah, So the guys were. Well, I was encouraging the guys to just wear things, except for yeah. one player would be like, "You cannot wear this." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> because he's oh. just. Yeah. Clothes is not a thing for him, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, oh, that's an awkward conversation. But, you know, oh, like I've yeah. had so many times where people are like, oh, we miss when you used to get dressed up and I'm just like, what a strange thing to say. Yeah. Like. You've got to be comfortable. Yeah, and that's the thing. Our, our um, comfortable in some ways. Like I, I say comfortable but like I am fully aware of when I wear clothes, what it looks like on my body, what, what I'm going to do in the next couple of uh, songs. Is it going to be like a, a, a hard show where we're jumping around? And yeah, like, yeah. Um, All those kinds of things come into play. But um, Good clothes aren't comfortable. 
That's no, not I don't know. Be. I don't no. know. Yeah. Someone's well, got to stand up yeah. straight. Too you can't true. Be too yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of good clothes are made out of polyester as well. So, yeah, um, well, yeah. yeah, that's not a good time. I think it's a matter of cost. <laughs> so I think like we would, we would all, we all, all love to have an Elvis jumpsuit situation where oh, someone yeah. like in Vegas could just laundry mat yeah. after your show. Yeah. You didn't have to make this. But decisions. having said that, like touring, touring everywhere for all of us, it's just like show you wear your show clothes you come off yeah. the stage yeah. you get into trackies mm. and like <laughs> ducks and yeah, big yeah. coats like things that people are just like well, i thought you guys were <laughs> yeah, an international no, no, no. touring kind of like company but it's like you i've just given you like hours of energy and now it's like this it's is my time my, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the other end of that first time i went on to a draft i made some crack in the van about you know how you can't wear shorts on stage you know just <laughs> and then we played the first show and i was the one person not wearing shorts <laughs> <laughs> and then i was the dickhead you know like look at this guy wearing jeans we're in darwin it's 57 degrees out look at this idiot it's hip hop you know wearing jeans rock and roll I can't wear shorts. You'll go blind. That's so good. I'm actually really glad we've done this whole chat without talking about COVID-19, but I should um, kind of contextualise. One of the reasons we've got you in is because you're performing at gallery sessions, our um, small kind of comeback shows where we've got eight local musicians performing in the Pavlet Room, which is on top of us as we record right now, and the gallery. Um, what have you been doing for the last three months, obviously not gigging, mm. or not, only a little bit of gigging, and writing. What have you been mm. up to? Yeah. Yeah, we've been writing. Yeah, heaps yeah, of writing. Time. Yeah, our mm. usual kind of once a week session songwriting. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. made up like once a week, a whole day. So yeah. Friday's our day together. Yeah. We just yeah. kind of uh, go with how we're feeling. Most mm. times it's the whether um, either of us have um, are ready to like show each other ideas. But yeah. John's had some amazing ideas with uh the current song so yeah we've been going oh. through all of that yeah, yeah. And what yeah. about you tim i'll you know? say yeah yeah i've been writing a lot yeah i made a made a point of just getting up every morning um and opening up the computer and starting a fresh session in logic and just seeing mm. what comes out kind of thing i've realized now that we're writing songs with the computer that's like my video games Right, mm. you know, because so, I've I've got friends that all have playstations and stuff. Sometimes I think maybe I should get one, but it's probably that'd be the end of me if I got, yeah. went down that mm. rabbit hole. But but writing songs is kind of like a video game. You're sitting there, you're looking at a screen. Mm. You got to beat the boss, which is you know find a chorus. Sort of problem solving. Yeah. Like why does this sound bad? I think oh that bass is sort of a bit early. You know, fix that. You know, so yeah. so yeah, just <clears throat> getting more and more nerdy. About yeah. music is, which is actually, you know, it's good seeing people again. It's good mm. to see you guys. It's actually. Nice. Yeah, it's a um, real one thing lockdown did for me was uh, uh, made me really anxious about seeing people again because mm. we took yeah. it very seriously. So for a few, few months, didn't even see my family. Yeah. And um, yeah, going out and like catching up with people, going out to gigs and stuff has been really, really weird, you know, mm. and I find myself like, more than ever trying to find that one person in the corner that wants yeah. to talk about like Ableton or or yeah. like <laughs> or synthesizers right. or just, yeah. you know the, the a lot of the social cues of are out of you know out of uh, there yeah. is a strange feeling where even though we want to come back and perform and 
do what we used to do. There is a weird psychological thing where like we've all been stuck inside. Now, yeah, it's going to be weird for a while. Mm. Mm. But uh, I think these gigs in particular, you guys are great with crowds. You'll uh, get them all on side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll be cool. Well, this, these gigs are going to be awesome. I think yeah. that'd be good fun. Just yeah. to get the laundry, get the laundry in the outfit right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing it with a guitar, Tim? Who's the guitar? I'll probably figure it out about ten minutes before. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. No, it's, is it is it non amplified? It is. is. Yes. Unplugged. Largely. Yeah. 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 So it'll yeah. probably be me and a guitar and yeah. you know, mm. a handful of hacky jokes. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still trying to decide because when we yeah. did one before, we did it with the Casio with batteries in it. Yeah. Right. And it was like. It was yeah. hilarious. It was survive. great though. It was cool. Can you Whatever do you're comfortable with. I, I could, but I'd need a no because you need a, a preamp. You need to be able to mic it up. Right? Is that the rule? Well, yeah. there's no power, right? Look, in the spirit of this podcast, <laughs> let's not go too behind the scenes. <laughs> let's, let's you started this. I know. Yeah. Like, what are they doing? They're not on stage. Yeah. I know. Don't bring that up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's not go into. You're hiding that. Leads. Let's not go into kind of leads and batteries and the minutiae. We've already gone into laundry. We don't need to go that far. <laughs> Guys, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks this has so been a stuff. lot of fun. Much more fun than doing it on Skype, that's for sure. <laughs> and um, we'll see you at the show. See you. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our chat. Uh, gallery Sessions tickets are on sale from fact.org.au. I'd love to be able to tell you if they're sold out or not, but the capacities do change a bit due to COVID-19 regulations. So the best bet is to keep an eye on our website and sign up to our mailing list because there will be more music as we keep negotiating COVID-19 and presenting shows. And please subscribe to the podcast and let your friends know about it if you enjoy these catch-ups with artists from all over Australia. We'll uh, see you soon. Bye.